Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. So, Frank, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor today. Um, I was very excited to receive my very own Mighty Patch samples from Hero Cosmetics. They are these fun little uh, patches that you can put on blemishes, uh, more commonly known as pimples. And I'm one of those people that does not know what products to buy for my skin. Um, Right before (laughs) everything happened this year, I went and got a facial for the first time. And while the woman was uh, like basically rolling the blackheads out of my nose, she's like, your skin is so sensitive. And I was like, I'm aware. Also, this hurts a ton. (laughs) And, you know, my face was red for like maybe four to five hours after that. So I have now accepted that I am a person with incredibly sensitive skin. And the great part is when I tried the Mighty Patch, it didn't irritate my skin at all. Uh, I have had like a series of little blemishes since the uh, seasons have been changing. And so I tried it and the best part is that even myself as skincare novice um, can use the Mighty Patch. It's just a little circle that you put right on the blemish and you leave it on for about six hours. So it's kind of the perfect thing to do right before you go to sleep. And then when you wake up in the morning, you can actually see like the gunk and the yuck that it has pulled out of your skin. And my skin was not irritated at all. It looked brand new. It's like, I would call it uh, basically like skincare Photoshop. (laughs) The best part is there's only one ingredient in the Mighty Patch. It's hydrocolloid. And even myself with the super sensitive skin, it just decimated the blemish. If you'd like to try Mighty Patch for yourself, we have a special offer for 15% off for Teen Girl Talk listeners. Just use the code TeenGirlTalk15 at HeroCosmetics.com. Details will be in the show notes and you can get 15% off of your order. Again, that code is TeenGirlTalk15 for 15% off at HeroCosmetics.com. Welcome to Teen Girl Talk. Teen Girl Talk. I'm Susie Coda. I'm Franklin Coda. And today we are Sharpay's Big City Adventure. That is not the name. Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure. I oh literally boy. wrote in my notes Big City Adventure because I'm a true professional. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think we've I don't think in any of the episodes up to this we've said the correct name. I'm pretty sure I was calling it Sharpay's Big Day Out a few times. <laughs> It's true. Um, Frank, I have to tell you, when I started this film, I was like, oh my god, an hour and a half? I can do that standing on my head. These high school musical movies were like two hours and change. This felt so much longer. Why did they drain the budget out of this one? Like, 
So I, I I don't know if I said it, but I was definitely feeling it on the last up on the last uh, team, on the last High School Musical movie that that one kind of killed the heart of the franchise for me. This one tore out its soul. It so I feel like Ashley Teasdale is the only person who cared about this movie. Like it. It was really bad. <laughs> like, I, I mean, so the the gloss on the last on High School Musical three senior year. I assumed that this movie was going to get the same treatment, right? Like big budget, high design, you know, rolling in actors. But and like, I mean, the other part that makes this so hard is like I miss New York. Like, I used to go to New York at least once a week, and last time I was there was, like, the end of February. Um, It was, like, my boyfriend's friend's birthday, so, like, we went in for dinner and karaoke, and now I'm, like, seeing Sharpay's New York, and I'm, like, this does not look like New York at all. Also, they, like, Disney-fied it, and I, that, that hurt. So, um, I guess, like, we'll get right into it. So, uh, well, I, I'm just reminded, of, like, I feel like you're just like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. <laughs> I like the comparison already. <laughs> you're, you're like, he's like, you, you, you had this power, and like a kid, like, you, you just decided to use it, but you didn't think about the moral ramifications of it. And what you did, you, you slapped a logo on it, you put it on a lunchbox, and. And, and you ruined it. <laughs> well, that's how it feels, right? So, like, um, and not to sound like a cliched asshole, but there are definitely movies that can be considered a love letter to New York, and this is not one of them. Like, the way that this movie talks about New York is, like, they've never actually been to the city, and they just saw, you know, like, a rumpled tourist guide one time. So, okay, like, let's dig in, uh, so to say. The movie begins in Albuquerque. We see Sharpay in a profile shot. And initially, I was like, wow, very dramatic. Okay, off to a great start. And Sharpay's dog is miked. He's wearing, like, a Britney Spears-type headset. And they are performing inexplicably in some show. Um, which is clearly an event space in a hotel. Like, 1,000%, it was filmed in conference room B at, a ra- like, a Radisson Inn. So, <laughs> I was, like, already starting to get dubious about the budget on this. Um, well, and this is going to be our one song. No, there's a couple songs. Well, this is, like, I would say the one exposition song. The one expository yeah. song. The rest of them are all... So there is no, even this is not a within the fiction song. This is, there is a performance and she is performing. Whereas like High School Musical, all three of them, they were constantly moving us in between. These are performances that everyone is seeing. And this is a person talking about their feelings. And there's no clear, like people are going to a fugue state to start singing and dancing. In Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure, we are 1,000% seated in reality. And I have to say, I don't love it. Like, Frank was like, okay, cool, like, less songs. But that just meant, like, more filler. 
And I was like, I would love a song and dance right now. (laughs) So. Yeah. (laughs) Sharpay's parents look fucking unhinged in this scene. They come up to Sharpay. Everyone's like, like air kisses. And her parents both have like shifty eyes. I was like, what did Sharpay (laughs) do to her parents? For once. No one in the family is culturally appropriating um, in the most insensitive way possible. So, and, and Ryan's not here. No, Ryan apparently made a cameo at the end of this movie, but after they rehired her, I drifted away from the computer and I don't know where he showed up. I I'm sorry. I I unapologetically could not make it through this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, like, the part that sucks is I feel like Ashley Tisdale is, like, like, they could basically give her any old crap, and she would put the same amount of effort into it. And I'm like, you couldn't have just given her a better script. Yeah, like, that's always, isn't that always so frustrating when you have, like, so much talent? Like, it's like Cats the Musical. You have so yes. much talent in the room. And you're just like, why did you make these choices? (laughs) It's like you... So, I I mean... And it's not like Disney has to go knocking on doors for money. So, that's why I really... This... Was this made a really long time after the first ones? I don't think it was. So, that's... I I mean, that's why I'm confused, right? Like, Sharpay is a standout character. They decided to make this offshoot movie... And it was only screened on the Disney Channel, so they could have just—it doesn't—it doesn't make any sense. That's the—that's the part where I'm like, you made the—you made the commitment to make this film. You decided you wanted to send Sharpay to Broadway. Obviously, they did not actually film in New York for just about any of it. Uh, but why? Like, I think the I can tell you exactly which scenes took place in New York. But so at this point, we're still on Albuquerque. So what's up? This came out three years after High School Musical 3. Okay, that makes more sense to me then, right? Like, it cooled down a little. They're not as committed. It's not pulling in, like, the same sort of um, residuals. Fine. But still, again, Disney prints bills why whatever okay i need but, to move on i'm like okay i was i i have I was clearly gonna say fixating <laughs> actually now i just want to make my last point um okay no because i agree with you on everything you said before but my thing is also just like this was like we've said this like these movies are made for theater kids so yeah. like why instead of getting like a like a movie of like the ultimate theater kid which is sharpay yeah. Like, instead of getting that, of, like, of her just kind of going to Broadway and feeling the magic of it, it feels like there's none of that. Like, it's, but it's not also, it's not even, like, a kind of, you know, like, she goes to New York and gets knocked on the chin. It's still just like, no, this, this sucks. Like, it, it, it doesn't feel like it even knows what its audience wants. So that's kind of... Yeah, because, like, the other part is, okay, so... We're going to be out of Albuquerque very soon. She gets approached by a man who is a talent agent who is friends with a couple that Sharpay's parents know. 
And he tells her to come to New York for an audition. Uh, she has not landed a part, but for the audition, decides to move to the city. Uh, uh, what? I was going to say, like, this, um, I, I get to be the, the madman person this time, because yeah. this is Pat Mastrani, uh, okay. um, who plays Joey in the original Degrassi and on The Next Generation. <laughs> Amazing. He, uh, but he looks like he's like 40. Well, he was on the original in the 80s. Uh-huh. Um, and then he came back in Next Generation as a full-grown adult. Oh, okay. Like, he actually, he's, um, he's a pretty good, like, um, surrogate dad to, the, to one of the main characters, Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, where Craig's, like, father was abusive. And then Craig, like, ran away from him. Mm-hmm. And Joey took him in for, like, three years. Yeah. So he, he did his best. Oh, well, that's sweet. Um, so, I mean, he is a good actor. He is the only one who does not seem like he has taken a heavy dose of LSD and then was pushed in front of the camera. <laughs> he, he seems to know his lines. He seems to understand why his character would be reacting certain ways. Um, he does not look completely manic all of the time, especially when inappropriate. So. I wanted to be, be a behind the scenes and it's just like, and that's when boys drug problem got really bad. I know. Like I just, so, okay. So here we fall into the other pitfall of this film, which is that there is a heavy animal, uh, um, and morthopization anthropomorphization, um, <laughs> the animorphize. <laughs> The, the anamorph. <laughs> the the anamorph this shit out of these dogs. <laughs> so, uh, due to my first month of quarantine habit of watching the pup star movies, um, as if nothing else in the world has been created but pup star movies, there is an anomaly that happens in these animal films where they will begin cutting to animals, just normal ass animals, not CGI animals, just normal ass animals. For reaction shots. So you're in a scene. At humans are saying things. And then they cut to a dog. For a reaction shot. Guess what? The dog does not know. Nor care what is happening in this scene. And does not have a reaction to it. Because it doesn't care. <laughs> and so this movie. Spends at least five to six minutes. Of just shots of dogs doing nothing. Sitting there. Staring into space. (laughs) Wondering when the next time the food is coming. Yeah, wondering if they've done a good job and can get a treat. (laughs) So, I do not know. I feel like a number of our actors are also wondering the same thing. I know. Like, definitely the playwright and director are just like, they are 1000% behaving as if they are on amphetamines. (laughs) Like... Um, sorry, Tara is insistent on being pet while I talk about this, so <laughs> she's switching her tail around and knocking my phone down. For the last um, five minutes, all I saw was, like, the side of Tara and, like, occasionally her face as she sniffed around. Yeah. So, and now you just see a swishing tail. Yes. Tara does not care for when I talk about dog movies. She's, like, trash. Um, so, 
Sharpay's like, okay, dad, I'm going to move to the city. And her dad, so at the end of High School Musical 3, they had said Sharpay is going to help with the drama department at the high school. And she's going to go to the University of Albuquerque for acting or whatever. Apparently, that plan has been scrapped, and it's only been a year, not the three years it was in real time, and Sharpay has taken a gap year to figure out what she wants to do, and apparently all she did was be in this uh, performance that we had seen, and so she, her dad makes her a deal, and I still think he is like a total pushover, because this deal is so in Sharpay's favor. He's like, if you go to the city and get in this show... I will basically subsidize you being in the city. So the way that Sharpay gets this is her and the Sharpettes put together what I think was like a not very good set of poster boards about how she's going. She found an apartment that is a penthouse in between Chanel and Radio City. So I think somewhere on 54th. I looked it up, rent, monthly rent, and 54th is, like, it's in the midst of everything, but it's, like, not super, it's, like, very touristy, so it's not a place people definitely want to live for a very long time, but rent on a penthouse would be around $6,000 a month, and then, like, furnished, probably more, so she says, you know, I booked the flight. I found this apartment. I'm going to move. And her dad is like, well, okay. But if you don't make it, you have to come work for me at the country club. Which Sharpay acts like is a fate worse than death. All right. Um, oh, so, uh, sorry, to interrupt, sorry to interrupt you again. But uh, one of the Sharpets, who I don't think was in the original three movies, is played by another Degrassi alum, Lauren Collins. Ah, okay. Play, Does she who, have a name in this? <laughs> uh, Tiffany with an I. Okay. <laughs> um, she plays uh the uh, queen bee of Degrassi High School. Uh, Paige. Wow, but here she's only a lackey. Interesting. I wonder uh, I mean, if it was hard for her to play uh lackey instead of ruling with an iron fist, as I well, imagine she did. Well, no, she was that, like, the thing is, like, in the first few seasons, it was very clear that Paige, like, was kind of like a mentor to the younger girls. Like, there's a whole, there's an episode where one of the girls gets their period for the first time. Oh. And, like, you, you hear, like, she's in the bathroom, because, like, it was one of those things where, like, wearing, oh, shit, I'm wearing a white skirt. Like, of course. And her friend, like, jumped up behind her. She's like, you need to go to the bathroom now. Like, we need to go. And you hear Paige come in, and you're like, oh, fuck. Paige is going to make fun of this girl, isn't she? And Paige is like, I know where you've been. It sucks having to go to the nurse and ask for a tampon. And she gives her one. And she's just like, look, you're just becoming a woman. It's fine. You're not... not (laughs) Paige is like, I'm your mom now. Basically. Like... And she also, like, one of her friends is also showcasing some Islamophobia. And Paige is like, whoa, I'm okay with being mean, but that's a step too far. <laughs> Paige slam dunks that shit. She's like, not in my house. Um, okay. So. I love Paige. She's the best. <laughs> um, Sharpay gets to the city and has no less than maybe eight carry-on bags of matching luggage. 
she arrives at what is definitely not a New York high rise and because it has an enclosed courtyard. I, this, this is not a thing that exists. So she goes to the top of the penthouse and boy pops out of her purse, boy being her dog. And in the like most bottom of the barrel penthouse I've ever seen, that furniture was like 1000% sold at like an overstock office store. So the woman at the penthouse and, you know, I feel extra certified to be critical of this fancy furniture because I binged two seasons of selling sunset this weekend. (laughs) And all I saw was like new money, flashy real estate for probably about eight hours collectively. So this penthouse would not have gone for uh, a top listing on selling sunset. So, but that's also L.A. Very I, different real estate. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to watch the su- the show, Susie. It's so bananas. I love it so much. Everyone's always fighting about nothing that matters. I've become addicted to reality TV where people just fight about things that don't matter. It's great. I'm like, I like this so much better than arguments about issues that you know, change everybody's life, affect everybody's life. It's like, well, you didn't invite me to your second bachelorette party. <laughs> so, Sharpay is... Do they mean second for one marriage or second for the second marriage? The second one in preparation for a marriage. <laughs> so there was the bachelorette party that the office girls were invited to, and then there was a second secret bachelorette that was then... Uh, labeled not a real bachelorette party, just a get together. It was highly contended. So okay. What are you? I'm sorry. Was that a spoiler? <laughs> no, I'm just like a bit already exasperated by this show. Why? <laughs> it's so good. Is it like too much like The Office? No, I'm <laughs> gonna watch. Arguing about rides. <laughs> Oh, you mean my office? Yeah, no, not <laughs> I, the office. Michael would have gladly gone to both parties. <laughs> no, I was just like, I'm, I'm just buckling in for this show because. Remember I mean, the I, Benjamin Franklin stripper on the office? Who <laughs> had a crush on Pam? Yes. Oh God. Um, okay. So, um. Then Sharpay is sitting out on top of all of this luggage and is accosted by a man with a gigantic video camera. Um, There is nothing remarkable about this man, (laughs) but we're going to spend the entire film with him. His name is Jimbo. Peyton. Peyton goes to NYU. And is making a documentary about Sharpay starting now. Also, guess what? New York City is so small that Payton also happens to be the son of Sharpay's mother's friend that she went to college with. So why Payton, did we need that subtext? So Payton um, is a creep. <laughs> Payton. Uh, behaves as if he is concussed for the entirety of the film. <laughs> he is immediately obsessed with Sharpay, but does not seem attracted to her at all. It is like entirely an artist muse type relationship. And Sharpay is continually rude to him, and he seems to be completely unaffected by it. 
<laughs> okay, if, if Peyton was a real NYU film student, or just a film student, let's not get specific. Yeah. What would his documentary about Sharpay actually be about? Um, 100% about privilege. Yes. Like, and... 100% about how she's, like, delusional. It would be mean. It would be really mean. Yeah, like... I mean, because he's can't... a beginning filmmaker and it's low hanging fruit. Yeah. She basically teed it up for him. Yeah. He's, he's not going for that high concept lighthouse money. I mean, <laughs> okay. Now I'm completely and immediately obsessed with the idea of Sharpay in the lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> like she, who does she play though? Does she play William Defoe or William Defoe? A hundred percent William Defoe. Oh, yeah, she would have to be the lighthouse keeper, right? Yes. Would she have the, like, uncontrollable farts, though, that William Defoe has? Yes. Do you think she tried to make out with Robert Pattinson? Yes. If you were that mermaid, do you think you tried to sleep with Robert Pattinson? Spoilers for the lighthouse, but it doesn't matter because that... No matter what we say, you're not going to be prepared. <laughs> you're just not. <laughs> like, I asked Rick how that movie was. He's like, I, there's nothing I can say that is going to affect the way that you take in that movie. And I was like, uh, okay, weirdo. And then I saw it and I was like, no, he's right. And <laughs> 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 he had been like, um, there's a small ivory carving of a mermaid. It becomes very important. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of seagull stuff. Uh, Mud is like a big player. (laughs) Um, Oh my god, that fucking movie. uh, Everyone's yelling all of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Willem Dafoe gives a speech to Neptune. So, I was so exhausted by the time the two characters started like really snipping at each other. It was like, somehow, even though there were so many sci-fi aspects to that film, the arguments seemed too real, and I was like, I'm drained. <laughs> because, because the, okay, well, the, okay, well, quick, quick sidebar about the Ashley Tisdale thing, is Ashley Tisdale is not a female lighthouse keeper. She is just Willem, Def- she's just dressed up like Willem Dafoe. So is she in drag? Yes. Okay. And cool. she's also wearing a like poorly put on Willem Dafoe mask, where she oh has my God, to. I love it. But, but but like it has giant eye holes in it, so she has to constantly like maneuver it so that she can. Like sometimes she's just talking through the eye hole because the mask got messed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yes, I, I, Ashley, she's the call us. Like so, I will beg, borrow, and steal to get this movie made. Like it's if we kickstarted this shit, everyone is so bored. We could get this funded in a week. <laughs> it, it's just like like the mouth is to the side and the beard is like hundred percent perpendicular to her shoulder. No, parallel to her shoulder, and she's just looking through one oh eye, God. talking through the other <laughs> eye hole. <laughs> but like, I mean, she is an actress that puts her all into it. So she's, like, really leaning into the, like, what did Robert Pattinson call it? The sea shanty madness. And, I mean, that would be fantastic. Okay, so does R-Pats still play R-Pats? Yes. 
can Zac Efron play the mermaid? The merman, yes. Or mermaid, whatever. It's a, I mean, it's all going to be like prosthetics. It doesn't well, matter. And that's 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 kind of my other biggest thing is uh, okay. I'll get to that eventually. You did ask me a question before I talked about the Ashton Tisdale and Dragons Willem Dafoe. I don't remember. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like from from how much I just could not. So oh, sorry. I know. Wait, okay, sorry. I remember what I was gonna say about the arguments because that's what we we're talking about. Right, right. That I felt exhausted. Yeah, like the thing with the arguments is they build. I feel in a way that a natural argument does. Where, like, you have two people who are just getting on each other's nerves and getting on each other's nerves. And the way I feel like an argument really just kind of kicks off into just, like, we are going for blood is when somebody says the thing they know they're not supposed to say. And that's what Robert Pattinson does when he mentions he doesn't like the lobster. Or he doesn't like Willem Dafoe's cooking. Yeah. You're fond of my lobster. Okay. The other part I think is so interesting is, like, the fact that Willem Dafoe keeps pressuring him into drinking, right? And, like, where it really starts to unravel is where Robert Pattinson has to, like, due to the the water being sullied or whatever, has to compromise in a way that he has previously been really unwilling to compromise. And it really undoes everything. Yeah. And so... Huh. That is interesting. Okay. Huh. Okay. If anyone, you know, has any contacts in Hollywood or, you know, wants to get this made, I don't even need credit. I don't, I just need to see this. <laughs> but it imagine? has to be a Willem Dafoe mask that I'm un- unbending on that. Could you imagine trying to pitch this? It's just like to Robert Pattinson. He's like, I already, I already made that movie. And, the, and, and we're, we're like, like no. yes, but. How would you like to make it with a female actress wearing a Willem Dafoe mask? And he's just like, did you guys, like, cut off his face? Like, no, 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 no. It's like it's like latex. It's a latex mask. <laughs> it's like, remember when <laughs> Brian Cranston was being a creep and walking around cons in a Brian Cranston mask? It'll look like that. It'll be, like, realistic. But the other part is we're going to make it purposely oversized. So we're going to spend all this money on the mask, but it's also going to be a terrible mask. And he's like... Please stop talking to me. <laughs> it's like, I have, I I have to be Batman now. <laughs> Did you hear about how he's refusing to work out? They're like, hey, we need you to stay on the regimen. He's like, I feel like muscly actors are what's ruining Hollywood. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I would love if this is totally just about him not wanting to work out. <laughs> he, but he refuses to. There's, like, one part of the diet he's agreed to. Like, they, like, package meals for him or something. But he's like, no, I'm not going to do any of the exercises. <laughs> Did I send you that thing where he, and I might have talked about it on the podcast because I'm obsessed with it. But he, a fan was stalking him and he went to dinner and complained a bunch. And <laughs> yeah. then she stopped talking to him. So, like, Robert Pattinson... Did you watch that YouTube video I sent you? The 12 minutes straight of Edward Holland oh. being a dumbass? It's like when I, I mean, I was betwixt by Twilight. And when you see Twilight taken out of context or like with a very funny song 
put over it, I'm like, oh, well, this is very goofy. But, like, I definitely have fallen under the spell of Twilight, and I'm loving that Tumblr is like, we have not forgotten Twilight. We are still obsessing about Twilight. And I was like, this is why I love this garbage dump of a website. (laughs) Because (laughs) the rest of the world is moving on. And Tumblr is like, no, we are talking about a movie that came out 13 years ago. That a lot of people hated when it came out, but we're still talking about it. And I'm like, yes, that makes well, sense to me now. A new the book space is... I'm in mentally, that makes sense to me right now. <laughs> a, a new book is coming out. Like, um, so. Frank, I'm aware. I'm already building a book club. So, <laughs> because one of my friends texted me and was like, did we really need Midnight Sun? And I was like, well, I don't know. I like that movie. We watched it for the podcast. I mean, Rob Riggle being sad. That was really hard. I cried. Frank cried. And then she's like, are we talking about the same thing? And I was like, oh, you mean the Edward Cullen book? Yes, of course I'm reading that. <laughs> okay, real quick. If you had the chance, would you replace Bella Thorne, Kristen Stewart with Bella Thorne? No. Or the, the, the original Twilight. Really? Okay. No, I think that Kristen Stewart was perfect. And, okay, so... If we're going to spitball what Midnight Sun is about, Edward Cullen, I want to make Edward Cullen by Avi, and then Love Triangle, but it's a man and a woman, and then in the end, they just all end up Holly, who is playing the two accompanying Edward Cullen. But it's old-timey, right? Because he got turned in, like, the 1800s. Well, from what I hear, Midnight Sun is just it from... Susie, you're doing the thing again. Sorry! Is it Midnight Sun just the, like, I thought it was just Twilight from his perspective. What? I thought it was a prequel. Is it? I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's I... not clear this up. <laughs> Moving on. So back to Sharpay. I'm, I'm putting us, for once, I am the person putting us back on track. Um, oh, God. I... Uh... <laughs> so we we go to we go to Peyton's studio apartment. No, this is the the craziest part, Frank. She's like, I have nowhere to live. He's like, Hi, I met you thirty seconds ago. I have a place for you to live. Our moms knew each other in college. Your mom's name is Martha too. Like, what the fuck? So she goes with him, and I looked up how much tuition is. not tuition, but housing at NYU. It's about $1,500. I will guarantee that it's not for a single. The apartment he brings her to is huge for New York in Manhattan. It's crazy. And she complains. It has one of those... um, I I feel like I knew the name earlier today in my mind. Hideaway beds? Yes, thank you. Um, it has a hideaway bed, and she's just like, uh, she says, that's not a bed, that's a closet with a tongue. Like, Sharpay has some, like, kind of funny, like, jokes and insults here and there. I guess so, but if this, if the fact is that this movie was really trying me at this point, and I was already losing patience, and I was just like... They gotta do something. Because, like, it, there were so many places where i was like no that wouldn't happen no they so sharpay's expensive ass matching luggage just gets left in front of the dorm they just leave it 
That shit would have been sold in a second. Are you kidding? It looked like a sidewalk sale. But they come back and get all their shit and carry it all upstairs. I feel like one of the most realistic New York movies for its time was Joe's Apartment. Yes. Where Joe, like, is like, I'm going to make it in this big city. Emilia gets robbed. And then, like, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to try again. Got some other stuff. Emilia gets robbed again. <laughs> like, I, it's just part and parcel. So the fact that Sharpay is so blasé and just leaving her shit all over the place. in like, one of the busiest parts of the island. Like, it just it makes no sense. So... <laughs> Uh, oh my god. I had written, there's been so much less singing than I anticipated, but I, my handwriting is terrible, so I thought it said sinning, and I was like, what did I expect her hey, to be doing in the city? <laughs> sinning. <laughs> um, okay, so, she's all upset about the space. They do, like, a touristy New York montage where, like, she's harassing street performers in Central Park, she buys a hot dog and then spits it out in front of the man she just bought it from in front of the car and then looks at him and goes, what? Um, and then they buy a bunch of stuff at a boutique and fix up her room. This has to be the longest day ever, right? Because she arrived in New York, got kicked out of the penthouse, got brought to this NYU dorm. They spend all day gallivanting around the city and then they also renovated her room. And the next day, she's going to the theater to see about her audition. So we see that the guy from Degrassi is like, no, I wasn't looking for you. I was looking for your dog. And Sharpay apparently did not read the email or the email was very cryptic and did not realize this is the part for a dog. And it's Amber Lee is the star. Um, I cannot tell if the actress who plays Amber Lee is bad or if the character is just written poorly and Aunt, the actress who played her decided to take it in a particular direction. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, her name's Cameron. Are we talking six of one, half a dozen of another, I guess? I think, because it's like, she's, she's supposed to be like Sharpay's, like, mean girl equal or like better you know the light to her or the dark to her light but but i'm I'm kind of thinking there's you know i i think it's kind of like being a mean girl in movies is kind of like rapping where okay. everybody thinks it's really easy but <laughs> but like when you actually have to do it it's very hard like because Think like I what I think about some of the greats we've seen and like Mean Girls they were okay but like Rose McGowan and Jawbreaker, um, Jane Krasinski and uh, Jane Krakowski, yeah, um, in Thirty Rock, where, and in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, yeah, like there's a way to just throw stank on your lines the way they do that makes them still likable. Here's what I'm gonna counter because I think Sharpay does this. I think there has to be a, a certain level of vulnerability. Yes. Like, the fact that they want to be liked so desperately has to bleed through in one way or another. That, yeah. you know, gaining acceptance and adulation is at the forefront of why they behave the way they do. Amber Lee just she seems like a shithead. 
And so I'm like, I don't care about this woman. I don't care about her plot. I like her plot line at all. And so this is where when they come back the next day for the audition and there is a small boy, which again seems like a very weird choice to be the adversary to Sharpay. Like, why is there this 11-year-old that she's going up against? So he has a dog named Duchess that is like one of those like foofy dogs. Countess, whatever. I don't. It, I don't care. I'm so it, mad. It, <laughs> I thought you said I'm so bad. Like I'm so I'm, bad. I'm so bad. I'm just so naughty. I can't remember the name of these dumb dogs. <laughs> My note for this scene is no. There cannot underline be a dog love story. And guess what? This movie spit in my face and was like, you better fucking believe there can. Oh, when you when you texted me and said there's a dog love story, like I didn't get the context for I didn't get the, the context for your your text. I thought you were happy that there was a dog romance. No, I was just I so this is my page of notes. No, there cannot be a dog love story. Everything looks so cheap and shitty. The stakes are somehow even lower. Oh, Why would she be upset about being fired? This woman is a monster. So Amber Lee fired her assistant after her assistant was hit by a car going to do something. And the assistant had to go get stitches. And Amber Lee is like, get the fuck out of here. And it sucks. All of it sucks. Oh, and also uh, Peyton, you know, in his like, I'm a cute guy who knows things moment. He takes her to like. (gasps) A theater that is supposed to be... I was like, is this supposed to be run down? Because it looks like it's in like fully furnished and ready to go. It, Frank, it makes no sense. What was that supposed to prove to her? And his whole thing was like, when I got to the city, I was lost too. So now you have a friend who works in the theater. So what? So... I have I, so this middle part, this like whole half hour in the middle, I don't feel like any of it matters. Yes. Like, and there's also like, there's also, he also says there's a whole building full of people who want to make it. Is he talking about the NYU dorm? Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, so here's the thing too. NYU has a school that is dedicated to the performing arts, right? Tish. And a lot of amazing people have come out of Tish, including like Lady Gaga. They do not talk about that. Like they, there's, in the same way that I feel like they didn't do any research about the Stanford, like, uh, freshman orientation program, I feel like nobody bothered to scroll down in the Wikipedia article about NYU and be like going, I, I get that NYU has more like name cachet. Like people are like, Oh, right. NYU. I know that like they have a hospital, but like Tish is a big deal. And for them to be like, Oh, well this NYU dorm has a lot of people who want to make it. They probably weren't all actors. So like, I just, I feel like this movie doesn't care enough. And the fact that it expects me to care is deeply insulting. Yes. I'm like, you're phoning it in and then expecting me to be like, oh, I love it. And I know this is a movie that's like not even for teens. It's for like younger kids. But (laughs) I don't know what made me write this. This movie is disgusting. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to rush through stuff to get to why I wrote that. So, uh, they come up with this sort of crackpot scheme that the two dogs are going to train simultaneously and Amberly will pick the dog that she wants to work with. So, Countess belonging oh, yeah. to the little boy. Sorry, we just need to also interject. I need to interject. We need to like talk about the insanity that Broadway is just like. You know what? We've we've had uh, movies about like the fall of Saigon, not movies, plays about the fall of Saigon, about the HIV crisis, like you know, Cats, Phantom of the Opera. Like we've had some big like awards, like boundary pushing movies. Hamilton, Frank. Ha- Hamilton. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we. You know what you Broadway? You can't talk about Broadway without talking about Lin Manuel Miranda at this point. <laughs> like Jesus. Fair enough. You know what? The, you know what? You know what's really going to be a showstopper at Broadway? A movie about a girl who goes to the city with her dog, and the dog is going to play a major part in it. Because you know what people come to see? Very tiny dogs on stages that are hundreds of feet away. It'll be the new Wicked. So, um, <laughs> Amber Lee. Decides to cut a deal with uh, Sharpay. She insinuates that she will pay more attention to Boy if Sharpay becomes her assistant. Fine. And then the reason I wrote this movie is disgusting is Amber Lee's housekeeper quits. And Sharpay goes to Amber Lee's house to clean her house. And her bathroom seems to have shit all over the floor. I'm not even joking. And then Sharpay does not know which end of a toilet brush to use and gets the toilet brush caught in her wig. And I was inconsolable. (laughs) I was like, I need this movie to end like now. So guess (laughs) what? What if that is just the ending? (laughs) Like toilet brush in her hair, hard hard cut to black. And just stomp her credits. I was, like, thinking even funnier that thing where it sort of, like, closes into black. Just around her wrestling the toilet brush out of her hair. And then I'm like, I'm satisfied. What a great movie. A solid 45 minutes. Star wipe to close. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Peyton is being a pain in the ass and keeps talking about his movie that I guess he had all semester to make because this goes on for the entirety of the rehearsals of this Broadway play. Guess what? Amber Lee doesn't want any of the dogs in the play about the dog. Also, in the midst of this, we get a dog love montage where the dogs run away from the playhouse to a Justin Bieber song. I think the baby, like the biggest Justin Bieber song. And I was like, so this movie couldn't spend money anywhere, but they spent money on the rights to the biggest Justin Bieber song. What the fuck? And walking on sunshine. I don't even remember. I probably blacked out during that. I was just like, oh, this movie. Um, the, The other thing is like the dogs aren't doing anything particularly interesting. Like, there's they're one shot around because they're dogs. <laughs> there's there's one shot where like they're running to each other through sprinklers and like <laughs> one where they're just they're just sitting on a big pile of garbage, like literal like garbage bags. And I was just like, 
I, I wanted there to be a jump cut to them like riding on a carriage, like you know sometimes tourist couples do when they're in love. No, like if we are going to behave as if these dogs are humans, right? Like cutting to them for reaction shots, etc. Like don't go halfway. This this will forever be my chance about this movie is that they they phoned it in so severely. Like if you can sleepwalk through a movie, that is what they did. So we get to the climax where Amber Lee has decided she has threatened the director and threatened the playwright and you know I'm a big star and no one's coming to see these dogs and a lot of euphemisms for how the dogs are not very good. And uh, she has told Sharpay to invite all of her fan club. I guess that's a thing that still exists in 2009 or whatever. I mean, I I think this is evidence that this was written by, like, you know, a 60 to 70 year old person who says fan deeply out of touch, (laughs) who says fan club and not followers. I know, and Frank, like, how weird was that Twitter exchange between Sharpay and, uh, what's the boy's name? Payton. Jimbo. No, the small boy. The small Jimbo. Countess's owner. I know, I know, I'm looking it up. I feel like, Frank, the only other boy in Roger. the film. Roger. Roger? Yes, Roger Elliston. The third, right. I remember that. Also, that stagehand, the PA, plays a huge part in this film. Like, I could not believe how much they cut to this guy who has, like, all of the emotionality of the comic book guy from The Simpsons. Like, this man barely raises an eyebrow through the entirety of the film, and constantly the film's like, what is he doing? (laughs) He's, like, wandering across the stage. Apparently there's another... There's another Degrassi person in this. Oh, is it the stagehand? Is that why he got so much screen time? That would make more sense. Um, Lupe? I guess the housekeeper? Unless she's the one half of the couple that walks over to Sharpay's parents. I don't know. Yeah, Um, so, guess what? Whatchamacallit, Sharpay has turned on Amber Lee's mic... And Amber Lee is again ranting, because that's all she does in this film, about um, how her fans are losers, the dogs are losers, everyone's a bunch of losers. So she, so then Sharpay gets fired, and then she gets fired, and then the next day, Peyton the Creep shows up with a computer and footage of Sharpay. <laughs> he's like like here here director check out this footage of like of Sharpay you know playing with her dog and that'll totally convince you to put her make her the star in the film so then she sings and then they hire Peyton brings her in by the arm he like has her by the arm and he's leading her down and she looks confused and upset and the director and the playwright are like, we're hiring you again. And Sharpay's like, I know it'll be a big change. Everyone has to get used to working with someone who knows their lines and can sing on key. And this is where I drift away forever from the computer. So, Frank, you need to finish it. Um, 
Then there's another fucking number, which I also wrote that 10-second skip button through. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I can't believe this is the movie that took us out. We have watched so much garbage this year, and this is the movie that I couldn't even make it to the end. Because, Susie, we watched fun garbage. This was just boring garbage. This is like a horse movie. Like, one of the really bad horse movies. Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> where it's like way, way too much about the oatmeal adults and, like, not even that much about the horse. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I showed up for equine antics, and all I'm hearing about is how these two mismanage their money and they're gonna lose the farm again. <laughs> I, I came here to see... Flick of fight wolves and like, or like nay and like a girl find her confidence. But instead, I'm hearing about mortgage payments and you know unsympathetic bankers. This is not what I come to a horse movie for. Yeah, it's, uh, it's... never again with Naperl. Never again, I say. <laughs> <laughs> Who but yeah. knew that horse movies were going to be so inconceivably boring? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who are just like we did. Yes, <laughs> but it's just like because the uh, the uh, the other ones up to the third, like the the first two, they didn't have a big budget, but god damn it, if they didn't have heart. Like, yes, and you know what? You know what? For some reason, this just stuck with me is when Sharpay is doing chores at Amber Lee's house, she just dumps in a bunch of detergent, like. Four or five, like just like shaking of the whole bottle at the at the washer. Yes. And and like in any other movie, it would be bubbles galore. Yeah, I was waiting I, for it. But I'm like, I feel like the, like the movie didn't have enough budget for the bubble machine, or just didn't care enough to have the like grips clean it up afterwards. And I'm just like that kind of for me just kind of sums up the whole of this experience. Yeah, of just like, like then- we're not gonna do the bubbles. It leads you down the path of why even have the detergent issue in there anyway. It would have been just as easy to see her put the laundry in and then take it out and it's the wrong color. Oops, she put a red in with the whites. But, like, to be like, oh, Sharpay doesn't know how to do laundry. She's putting too much detergent in. Why? Okay, there are no bubbles. Why? Why? Again, why does that, is that scene necessitated? Don't watch this movie. Don't, why would you watch this movie? Like, watch the first, like the first two High School Musicals, still good. Like, watch those. Frank, this movie was so bad. I'm circling back around on the third one, and I'm like, watch the third one. <laughs> At least that one cared a little bit. Um, At least it looked good. It was good to look at. <laughs> okay, so I was listening to the Flophouse this weekend, and they were talking about Doolittle. I I was visiting a friend in L.A. and. I was like, hey, because I work in a theater, we can go see a movie for free. And he picked Doolittle. Why? Um, so <laughs> we go to this movie. And the way they had described it on the Flophouse, it was uh, a movie critic from The Atlantic, uh, David something, I, I forget. He was like, I know you guys are saying that Doolittle was not that bad to watch like on your TV. But you have to understand when you were watching it in the theater, you felt like you were held captive by the film. And that's how I felt in my own home about Sharpay's fabulous adventure. Like, I don't, I don't feel like there is any way I could have felt better about this film because it looked bad. It was boring. It was unmotivated. And I felt like I was just grinding through it. And it was like a thing that was happening to me. (laughs) I was like, I need to get away from this film. Um, 
Oh, God. I, yeah, it's just, I was playing Final Fantasy VII, and I managed to get through an hour of it by, like, switching my time between the two. And it's just, like, it was just so bad. Like, just awful. And it wasn't even Lifetime bad. Where, like, everybody's trying, and the action is bananas, and it doesn't make any sense, but there's stuff happening. In this, it just felt like people were, like... Good enough. Good enough. Just move through. Good enough. Whatever. Who cares? What, Good. Move on. Do we have do we have like do we have movement on, you know, digital? Fuck it. Let's keep going. Who cares? Nobody. Yeah, like it just okay. So next week we're watching something good. Uh, if you are, we're watching Victorious. Yes, if you are a habitual listener to the podcast, you know that Frank is a huge Victorious fan and has talked about it nonstop. And I'm excited to watch it, especially after this uninspired goop. Um, I and mean, Elizabeth Gillies, an alumni, is going to show up. Ariana Grande, Vanessa Hudgens. No, who is it? Ariana Grande. Yeah. Victoria Justice. We Ariana Grande's Victoria Justice? No, no, no. Vic- Victor- Victoria Justice is one person. Ariana Grande is also on this show. But Victoria, wait, is Victoria Justice her real name? Yes. I'm pretty okay. sure it is. I'm getting my Disney stars mixed up. <laughs> um, well, I. Victoria. Yeah, We're going to talk about it next week. Victoria so, Justice. <laughs> wonderful. She plays um, Tori. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at realteengirltalk at gmail.com. Um, we want to thank our sponsor again, Hero Cosmetics, who put out the uh, Mighty Patch uh, that we talked about at the top of the episode. Uh, we have a Facebook group and page uh, that Frank curates. Please rate and review us. Five stars would be great. We've been getting a lot of good reviews, and it makes us feel wonderful. Yep. Uh, Frank has another podcast. It's called I Hope I Can Make It Through with his friend Donnie. They are in season six of Degrassi. And I guess until next week, I am Susie Coda. I'm Franklin Coda. Team Coda. Coda.